Welcome to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Wong, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is a place where you'll be guided to living your most aligned life so that your truest, most radiant self can emerge. We'll be jamming on topics ranging from spirituality, entrepreneurship, to wellness and lifestyle design, and everything in between that can support you to grow, evolve, and shine, all the while not taking ourselves too seriously. So if you're ready to step into your leadership, break through limiting beliefs, own all of who you are, and expand in abundance, grab yourself your faith cup of tea, and let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm so excited for today's guest. Serena Myers is joining us from British Columbia, Canada, and Serena is a Sacred Soul Mentor. And I'm so excited you're here, Serena. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. I'm super stoked. Yay. Yeah. Like <laughs> Before we started recording, I was like, I'm just going to tell everyone that how you and I met, Cam sold us, everybody, like, <laughs> this is where I'm getting all the beautiful people on the show. Um, but it's a good community. Yeah. And that's how you and I met. And um, I just love, 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 like your energy. You're just so easy to talk to and you do beautiful work. Thank you. You're the sweetest. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so we were, um, you know, we're talking about well, all these different spiritual things, um, but your your passion is really around working with angels, mm-hmm. and um, that's how you and I got connected closer. Because I was starting to learn about like angel readings, and uh, you told me that you were you know learning from Kyle Gray, and so like I'm now in his group, and so I would love to hear your journey of what got you inspired to do that work, and just hear more about your background. I think sometimes um, there are things that are these little seeds that get planted, right? And you would think a spark will come and yes, that's inspirational and let's just pursue that. That wasn't the case for me with angels at all. So they were very natural for me as a kid. I talked to them when I was really little. I was raised Catholic. So um, it kind of aligned. It was sort of that funny little space because they're in the Bible. It still was kind of an okay thing. Um, But I really shut down. I shut down through my teens and my 20s created a lot of separation between me and my spirituality in general, not specifically about the angels. And every time I would see the angels come circling around, everything was really like harps and clouds or cute little cherubs. And it was just a little bit frilly for me. It didn't really feel, it never really, it just didn't resonate for a long time. And you mean that for artwork? Like when you see- In artwork, in statues, in, um, even when you would hear about them, like it always just seemed- really fluffy and out of reach. It didn't actually feel like it had much substance. And I think some of that is how it's portrayed by different like interpretations. And I think some of it was also my own resonance because these were like probably the hardest, darkest years of my life. So the idea of aligning to divine love was just like not even a thing for me at the time for sure. So I recognized the role I played in that too. And um, it wasn't until I think around my late twenties, I started to kind of open up to my spirituality. I started doing a lot of shamanic work working with crystals, everything was very earth-based, very, very different resonance than the angelic realm. And then I found Kyle's work. And what's really neat about his approach, because he is quite earthy himself and he has studied so many different traditions, but he is very earth-based and almost druid-esque in many ways. And then he's blending that kind of earthiness with the etheric. It just suddenly made that realm really accessible to me. And suddenly angels started to resonate and the messages started to resonate. 
and then through studying them and through studying mediumship and Akashic records, like I had like one year where I just kind of dove into kind of all the modalities to see what stuck. Um, that's when I started recognizing just how easy it is to communicate with them and that it's actually for everybody. It's not just for the psychics and the mediums. It's for everyone. Mm, I love that. So do you actually like hear angels? Like what is your experience? Okay. This is so funny. The very, so when we talk about clear audience, like the gift of psychic hearing, usually you hear in your head. When I was first opening up to my gifts, I was hearing high pitch frequencies, but not actual words. And I'd say, Hey guys, I know you're here. That's cool. But I have no idea what you're saying. I don't have my screech to English dictionary, like <laughs> communicate in some other way. And I kept getting these screeches, which I now recognize are actually just downloads. And I could trust that I'd know what it was for later. Um, and then I started to hear a little bit in my head, but the first time I heard with my actual ears, I was having this veggie burger and I was pretty much full. I was, it was, I was at an actual like little restaurant I had like two bites left of the burger and I was like, oh, I don't want to waste it. I might as well eat it. And with my outside ears, I heard an angel say, put the burger down. You're done. And I like wow. practically jumped out of my skin because like I looked around because I was sure someone had <sighs> said that to me, but no, they hadn't. It was just me. And um, yeah, it was really, it was really neat. So in most cases I hear inside my head, but every so often they had these little like funny interventions where they use my actual ears. But I've also, um, the more work I've done, I've become a lot more visual as well. So I see things a lot more too. Oh my God, that is so cool. I always, um, like when I connect with the angels, I don't really think I hear, like I'll hear a ringing, but not when I'm connecting with angels, I'll just randomly hear a ringing. So I don't associate it with necessarily like a divine message. Um, it is. It is. It is. Because sometimes it's, they're getting your attention as opposed to you being ready to receive. Mm. We sit down in meditation. We're like, okay, thank you for bringing forward the guidance. We're expecting it then. But they're dialoguing and hanging out with us all the time. So if there's something that we need to know or just something, a transmission that just needs to come through for whatever reason, they will randomly pop in during the day. Mm. Um, if it's invasive, because sometimes I've had to be so loud that it's actually uncomfortable, you can also say, Hey, thank you. Like, I hear you. This is not a good time. Please come back at three o'clock <laughs> like, <you can> have <laughs> when I'm awake. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't have to be, um, this isn't actually just with angels. You can do this with any kind of spirit guide and even just people who've crossed over to the other side. If you work like in a mediumship capacity, you're not at their whim. They don't get to dictate, you know, when things come in, you can say, thank you. I hear you come back later. Hmm, I love that. Mm -hmm. So what other um, possible like signs might angels be communicating with us? Oh, that's a really good one. So there's sort of two philosophies to this. The main one is like the typical angel signs that we know of. So angel numbers, we look mm -hmm. at the clock and it's 1111, for instance. Um, you'll have it where you'll see the same numbers on the street signs, on the license plate in front of you. And you know, all these different things. We see these repeated numbers, two, three, four in a row. Um, feathers is another one. And then I know some people will go in even deeper into that philosophy of depending on the color of the feather, it's a different message and those types of things. So you can have all these various signs that you're going to read about on the internet. And the reason I don't really want to get super into it is because I feel like they're a good place to start, but they're kind of like angel signs light. I am a firm believer when we set the intention to speak with the divine in whatever fashion that is, that, um, they use our frames of reference. So like a feather to you is going to mean different than a feather to me. Mm -hmm. For me, it's skunks. Skunks are like, and it's 
it's the most bizarre thing, but they're, they're one of my power animals. And so whenever I need a sign that I'm on the right track, they send me skunks. I moved to England to be engaged to a man I had known for like 30, not 30 seconds, but it was a very, very brief knowing before we got engaged and got married. We've been married for like almost seven years now. And um, when I moved to England, he said, look, I got to tell you, there's not going to be any skunks to tell you that you're on the right track. They've been extinct here since like however long and there will be no skunks. I was like, okay, no problem. The first day in England, we go walking through the town square and there is a conservation officer and in her arms is a skunk. No, like a real skunk. Real skunk. <sighs> so, you know, for like for other people, they'd be like, ew, that's a skunk. Like, why is that even a thing? Where I'm like, yay, skunk. Like, it's so delightful to me because I know that that's my angels being like, you're on the right track. Oh my god! When you get hitched to a dude you've known for 30 seconds, you kind of need that reassurance. So thank you, angels. Thank you for the skunk. I was going to say, like, I've never seen a skunk, unless it's in a zoo. Like, Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I just got back from Kyle's angel retreat in New York, and I saw this one skunk twice. Oh my goodness. Where we got to, like, hang out and just, like, followed him around. I was, like, skunk paparazzi. It was a bit ridiculous. <laughs> Do they, like, spray you? If you, I thought I've they... never been sprayed, um, but I also don't, like, chase them or scare them or anything. Like, it's, they're kind of their support, <laughs> really. But, you know, so, so skunks are a symbol for me. Other people have different animal messengers that will be really resonant for them. But even when we're in meditation, particularly if we are, see, a lot of people think clairvoyant means, like, you see the film play out in front of your eyes and whatever. It just means that you see things. So they're going to use different signs and symbols. For me, they often will use music as well. And so I'll see or I'll hear something. And then it's, I have I'm my own decoder ring, basically. I have to say, okay, cool. This is my angel stand to Serena Dictionary. But again, that symbol is going to be really different for me than it is for you. Because we have a different frame of reference and different things mean different things to us. Yeah, I actually appreciate you saying just, you know, using like a Google search as kind of like a, like a light, like don't mm-hmm. really depend on it because we have our own intuitive inner wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Like spiders for me, I get, <laughs> I had this one summer of like big transformation and I think I got bit by a spider almost every week. <sighs> oh my God. And I have still not found a definition of what spider medicine is that resonates for me. Like I've looked and I have done all the searching and really I probably just need to sit in meditation and be like spider reveal yourself and tell me what you have to say. But yeah, you know, um, it's, it's a good place to start, but I feel like we really discount our own knowing and our own, um, just our own frame of reference. And if we think about how our angels are trying to meet us where we are, of course, they're not going to take something out of some obscure book we've never read. They're going to really play into our frame of reference so that we can get the message. The point isn't to make it hard, right? They're trying to communicate. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I know that. For I don't know. I feel like because I'm I'm actually a really logical person, and I'm in my head a lot. So I just have to trust that if I'm calling out to the angels, that something's happening. Even though you know, sometimes I hear that buzz. Or I remember one time I was like meditating before I was pulling a few cards, and I felt this breeze come through, and I got chills. And I was like, Oh, that's because I had the window open. You know. And then after the meditation was over, I opened my eyes. The window was barely open. It was like a little slit. Like no wind could have passed through. <laughs> but like, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. I just, so it's, um, I think it's like if we set that intention, mm-hmm. like things are happening, even though we don't, maybe none of our five senses are getting evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That need for evidence, I feel, is a lot stronger as you're opening up. 
Um, but the more you start to forge that relationship and the more you're just kind of putting it into practice and you can do it in really low stakes way where you're almost like gaming with the angels. Like I'll be like, okay, show me all the fours. <laughs> and then we'll be driving down the road and it'll be like four, 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 four. So like we are you know, it's not like a life or death situation. It's not like, do I take the job or do I not take the job? Show me the sign. It's really playing with them. I feel like the more we can just kind of flex the muscle, the easier the trust becomes. I like so that. long as, because I'm, I'm really heady as well. I actually very rarely exist even in my body. It's like head and then up. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, I really had to get over that disbelief and that whole, am I making this up? That was a really big mm-hmm. one too. Mm-hmm. But it got to the place where I was doing it so much that it was undeniable. You know, I couldn't even justify that tiny little breeze. I'd be like, well, no, like there, there wasn't even enough room for the, of the window being open for that breeze to have been possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like until we start to just like play with it and try it more and consciously like setting that intention of show me the signs and show me this particular sign and just see what they bring, the easier it becomes to trust the messages that we are getting. Mm. Yeah. And like, I know that like with my, um, just me having to use the stairs and me being with the crutches right now, like every time I use the stairs and every time I pop into my car, I will say a prayer to the Mm. angels, like to, like, just to like, take me to where I need to go and back home safely. And like, that just brings me so much peace, Mm -hmm. just sending that out there. So, um, in it alone and particularly with the hard stuff, like we need that, we need that sense of connection. Totally. And I think like, that's basically like, we aren't alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there's so much support. Did you do any healing work with the angels with yours or were you working just with your meditation? Meditation. And oh, I called upon Archangel Raphael when Mm -hmm. I was getting my MRI. Like I was like, perfect knee, perfect knee. (laughs) I was like just channeling all like the light and the energy. So the angels were, um, I called upon them a lot for healing. Yeah. And they're still using them. Yeah. I I had a, I had a surgery at the start of the year and um, I called on Raphael um, and before I actually had the surgery, when I was just in the consult with the surgeon, I said, you know, thank you, Archangel Raphael, for not only, you know, advising her, but for helping her to see exactly what I need that's in my, that's in the best support of my care. Mm. And she was flipping through my chart kind of mindlessly. And then she stopped and went back to a page and she was like, whoa, this changes everything. And I was like, ah, thank you, Raphael. Oh, so good. Yeah. And even on the day of the actual surgery, it was like, thank you, Raphael, for helping this to go smoothly and to intervene if necessary. Like I gave him carte blanche that if, you know, everything went wrong, he could go and step in and make sure things got okay. Um, I asked for Michael to be there for protection. Yes. And then I asked for Ariel because I was literally standing in my front door, like shaking in my booties. And I was like, and thank you, Ariel, for helping me to get myself out this door so that I can cultivate enough courage to go about this day. Oh my gosh. That's so powerful. Yeah. I forgot. Like, it's, you know, it's so great to hear how you call upon the angels for support because sometimes it's just like, okay, like just whatever is the best for me, but like Mm. being so specific, like intervening, taking over, like Mm. that, those are so powerful. And like, we have the, I don't know if it's like the right or the privilege, but we can do that. We're capable, like they're here to help us. I feel like it's, I feel like that's almost the human need for control, to be honest though, because you're right. You can even, you could easily say, thank you angels for supporting me in whatever's my highest good. Yeah. It's a blanket invitation for whatever angel to do whatever is necessary. I feel like where I get specific about who it is and what I want them to do, that's my need to control. Okay. <laughs> but um, I like it. <laughs> you know, and they don't mind. They're all like, okay, cool. She's wigging out right now. Let's give her this extra little leeway. It's fine. <gasps> they're, they're not judging us. Right. So, um, 
you know, I feel like sometimes people think they have to read all the books and learn all the things so that they know who to call on. You can have a totally blanket invitation of like, mm. hey, I need help. Anyone who's available, who's in my highest good, like step in, please. Thank you very much. Mm. Do you usually, like I usually call upon the archangels because I know what they focus on. Mm-hmm. And um, like the ones that you mentioned, Archangel Michael, Ariel, and Raphael, like do you want to cover them like really briefly? Of, their- of who they all are or just those three? Uh, up to you. I was like, I don't know if I could do them all. Yeah, off the let's top just of my do head, but... let's just do the top the three that you mentioned because yeah, those three are wonderful. Might, yeah, and they're and they're and what I like about them is that they're not just for if you're going into surgery. They're kind of things that we need in general life anyway. So uh, Raphael is the archangel of health and wellness. He does a lot of other things too, but that's kind of like his main deal. So um, you could easily be working with him just on an ongoing basis to feel healthy and vibrant and lively. Um, it doesn't have to be just like, I have a cold. Thank you, Raphael, for helping me with my sniffles. It doesn't have to be just <laughs> when you're already down, right? He can be part of like your regular healthy maintenance plan. Um, Michael has kind of two really big jobs that he's known for. So one is his ability to protect us. So he's, you know, he's in, in the big story of the battle of good and evil. He's the one who cast Lucifer into hell and whatever. And um, so he's got that fierce protector vibe about him. And particularly when we feel unsafe or unsure. I actually like to um, visualize him coming behind me and wrapping me in his wings. Mm. So I feel held and guarded. So it's like, it's like a hug and a shield at the same time. But the second thing that he's really great for, he's always um, seen with his sword. And so his sword has the ability to cut the cords that we have, these energetic ties to our doubts, to our fears, to other people, to our bad days, to our pasts, our childhood, all of it. And so we can invite him to come and cut those cords, even as just part of our regular everyday maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we're starting fresh so that we're reclaiming our energy. And so there are these little bits of us that are tied to these other aspects that are then kind of draining our life force because that doesn't do us any good at all. And then Ariel, she's got a couple of things too, but her main deal is courage. I feel her like right in my solar plexus. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever worked at the crystal citrine, she kind of reminds me of citrine in angel form. Like she's really got that strong sense of presence and that strong sense of self. So confidence and courage are the ones that I call on Ariel for. If you were going for like a job interview or a first date or, or surgery and you just need something to give you that little oomph to get you at the door, Ariel's the one that you can call on for that extra little nudge. She's got a little oh, something, something for you. I love that. Those are awesome. Those are like the, those are the three angels I call upon a lot. Mm, Ariel's yeah. secretly like you're not supposed to have favorites, but Ariel's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to deny it, but I was like, no, she just is. I love her. I um when I, talking about like you know angels and Catholics, like Catholic school and all that, because I grew up uh, Catholic as well, and oh. I just remember in sixth grade we were supposed to learn about our angels, um, and the exercise was like your angel is whoever your name is. That was how the exercise was. So like, you would have had know. Michael anyway then, right? I know. And so when I learned about him, I was like, he's an archangel. And I was like, cool. Wow. He's so powerful. I was like, I am a powerful angel. Anyway, that's very cool. That's why he's my favorite. <laughs> I actually went to St. Michael's elementary school. And oh, um, when I did a little digging, it was it was for Michael the archangel. And I was like, how is he a saint? I don't understand. But that's where the root was. He's a good angel. He's kind of like the most famous one. Yeah. He's got yeah. really good PR. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So um, do you focus mainly on angels then with your work or do you do other? That's, um, 
it's shifting more in that direction. So with my work, I was really, uh, for the last few years, I'd been kind of splitting it half between angels and Akashic records. And then I was, which is for people who don't know, um, it's essentially like the library of everything that your soul has experienced and everything it will experience. So you can go in there and reference things, understand patterns that are playing out for you right now. You can do healing in the records. Um, it's really, it's a really, really beautiful and healing space that is in many ways very angelic, actually. And I was kind of blending those two worlds, bringing forward messages from both and um, kind of having this hybrid service. And what I realized was that the Akashic work was really draining me. Mm. And I know amazing Akashic practitioners who, who thrive in that work. It actually energizes them to be in that space. And for me, it just doesn't. Like I literally, if I have a really big clearing, I end up having a nap afterward. Oh, wow. So what I recognized is that for me, it wasn't the most resonant way of showing up for the divine. What I do love, though, is in my group programs of helping people guide guided into their records so that they can access their own information. Mm. It's not something you have to pay someone to do. You're able to access it yourself. So that element is going to stick around. I actually really love being almost like an Akashic tour guide rather than the <laughs> one, you know, pulling out the information myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that you just honored what was coming through for you. Cause I think a lot of times since you have like a gift with it, like mm -hmm. there might be pressure while well, I can do it. I'm getting paid for it. So I love that you just honored, okay, what is actually in resonant for me and then going with that versus forcing it. Well, it was the same thing with mediumship. Like I studied mediumship so that I could get better at talking to angels, but you train by talking to dead people. Like that's, that's the work, right? Right. It's so funny because I can hear ringing in my ear now and I'm like, yeah, okay, thank you. But <laughs> we'll come back later. Um, and it's coming on the right side, which is usually like angels tend to show up on the left for me. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, come, up, come back later. Thank you very much. But um, I am super, super uncomfortable talking to dead people. Mm -hmm. I am also really uncomfortable with doing mediumship readings because the emotional stakes are so high and people mm. are so they miss their loved ones. Like yeah. they get, I get it. Right. They're very vulnerable. And that for me is a hard energy to be in. Mm -hmm. So I have a general rule of thumb where I'm like, you know, I, if it, if it came up in a reading, I could share something that would come through. But it, I mean, even when I'm talking to my own dead loved ones, I usually will hire a medium mm. rather than doing it myself. Yeah. Just my boundary. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I mean, just because you can, doesn't mean you should, right? Exactly. I 100% agree. Yeah. So, um, what, how do you work with clients? Like what's, what does it look like? Yeah. The majority of the time is through coaching. So we will go through, depending on what somebody is working through and whether it's for personal or for business, they're going to need different types of containers. So some people have a launch and they just need to do a deep dive where we go in, we get stuff done and then that's it. Uh, and we'll do that over like a long session and then a follow-up session. And then that's the container and we're good to go. And then sometimes it's over longer periods because people need more accountability or they just need a longer term support. It's just a longer process. So we have kind of these different programs that um, are just made to fit where somebody is at at that time. Mm -hmm. And then even in the sessions themselves, they're quite flexible. It's, you know, what kind of thing are we bringing forward? If we're doing business coaching, we could be talking about marketing. We could be talking about strategy. We could be vetting business ideas. So we could sit down with their angels and guides and be like, these are the things we're thinking about. Where do what lights up? What do we do? Um, when it's life stuff, it can be the same thing, particularly people who are in states of transition. 
Mm. So they're, something's not working in their family life or something's not working with their career. And they're just on that precipice of like what's next. And they're afraid to make the leap on their own. We can be working with their angels to be able to bring the most support and the most um, guided, guided next steps of what they can do. So it's not just, um, I know a lot of people who are angel practitioners tend to bring forward the messages that are really loving and supportive and informational um, because they know I'm a coach, they kind of blend that and they use that as well. So it's angelic messages and then kind of like guided coaching as well, where they're sort of steering in the right direction. I think that's really practical because it's not just like, you know, your, you know, your take on things, like mm-hmm. it is your take, but also like you're inviting like a, a different realm to guide mm-hmm. the process. So I feel like that's, um, you know, it's good because you're getting more support in the process. Totally. And I do have moments because I'm human where I actually will call time out for a second and I'll check, is this my bias or is this the message? Mm. Because sometimes when it's flowing so easily, I do need to just put on the brakes for a second just to make sure. Cause I want to be an in integrity. That's kind of my yeah. number one guiding feeling. Yeah. And, um, and that's sort of how I, how I balance it. And what's really neat is we can do that one-on-one, but we can also be doing it in group settings so that it's not just what I'm bringing to the table and, and bringing through me, but then you, you start to have this connection between the different participants and everyone is so intuitive that they're, they're all adding to the mix. Like it's really alchemy that happens in our group. Mm, it's very yeah. cool. Nice. So when you work with angels, do you usually use cards? Like how is, what's, what's your process? When I, so yes. And (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, so I have cards handy pretty much all of the time, but in total transparency, despite being like a certified card reader and having, I've been reading since I was 14. So it's been 25 years. Yeah. Um, the cards are a prop. <laughs> the yeah. cards are much more for the people than they are for me. They're a nice kind of starting off point and they're a wonderful thing that they can take a picture of so they can remember it after and that type of a thing, particularly in person. But usually it's like I pull a card and then I riff off of it. Every so often they'll say, grab the book because there will be a line in the book that's really resonant for the person. But that's pretty rare. It's usually just like I feel like Vanna White, like I'm just holding up the card, but it, I'm actually solving the puzzle for them. Oh, I love that. So when yeah. you say they tell you to grab a book, it's the angels? It's the angels. Yeah, okay. not, not the client. Okay. And even then when I can skim the book and, and the one sentence that's, that is relevant will pop out and I'll go, oh, this is what you needed on top of everything else. Oh, that's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find that, um, well, I'm curious on your take because there's a lot of great Oracle decks too, like outside of, um, angel decks. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like my process for when I use cards, it's the same, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? And so like when you use, um, do you use Oracle decks as well? Yeah. I, I don't work with any, I own tarot, but I don't work with tarot. I only work with Oracle decks. Okay. Yeah. Like, what do you call upon the angels to help you like, you know, whatever wisdom needs to come through for Oracle cards as well? Like, is Ooh, that? Absolutely. Because yeah. I feel like the, even it, the, the card is just the messenger. It's yeah. not, or it's just the message, not the messenger. Um, they can, if they can throw me a feather and that that's a message, then they can speak from any other deck or um, even books. I do. I've done readings with books. So I intuit, first of all, which book to grab off the shelf mm. and which page to stop on and then which part of the page to stop on. Like it's, there's so many different ways that the divine can work through us, right? Um, and then it's just intuiting which deck to pull. So I have like my workhorse deck. We always lovingly, jokingly call it like the mega deck, which is two of, it's the angels out of Kyle Gray's angel prayers mixed with keepers of the light. Mm-hmm. 
Um, this is kind of my workhorse one. It's the one I use all the time, but I also have um, a few that I really love. I love Chris Ann's Sacred Creators Oracle. I think it's so beautiful, particularly for business work. Um, I love Colette Baron reeds um, Wisdom of the Oracle, which has the most stunning artwork and is really, really profound. But I probably own 30 decks. Like I have a bit of an Oracle problem. So, <laughs> you know, I'm also, before I sit down for a session, I can intuit which box to even bring to the table. But I always believe it's the angels bringing the message forward. It's not the deck. So can you, because everybody has a different way, but I'm just curious, like, how do you, like, what's the, the hit or the message? That, okay, this is the one that I need to choose. Like, like how does it feel? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if this has changed since I was really little. I don't think it has. Um, when I was really little, uh, before I knew what anything really was, and when I say little, I mean like 14, 15, um, I would follow the energy. So I would get a heat and I would only feel it in my left hand because I didn't know how energy worked at the time. I'd feel it right in the palm of my left hand and I could just like run my hands over the cards and a heat would come and I'd say, okay, this is the one I have to pull. I also do a lot of muscle testing. So I muscle test with my teeth, which is super weird, but I basically hover my teeth together. This is not what teeth looks like, but <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, and then when it's a yes for me, my teeth will start to click on the left side. And when it's a no, they start to click on the right. Oh, cool. So I can say, if I'm doing a reading for someone just kind of off the cuff, I'll be like, how many, uh, you know, thank you. I'll say, thank you, angels. I'll call them in and I'll say, how many cards do we need today? And then they they'll, they'll tell me how many we're going to pull. And they say, am I going to pull them or is she going to pull them? Because sometimes mm -hmm. the energy is different. Sometimes people really need to feel like they're in charge of their destiny. So then they can pull them. This is if it's like an in-person thing. And, um, and then even when I pull them out, sometimes they group together. Like it's really just following the intuition. Yeah. So they'll riff off, the cards will riff off of each other and the messages kind of blend. It's, a, it's kind of a, um, a very fluid process. So that's why I had to think about it because it's happening so naturally anymore. Yeah. That I'm like, how do I do this? That is so cool. I love that. testing, I guess. <laughs> I love that you're connecting with the angels to see, like, should I pull it or should they pull it if it's in person mm -hmm. and how many to pull? That's great. Yeah, I don't, I don't do the spreads. I don't. I mean, I do, but almost never. Like, I, yeah. it's, I'm really, I'm like an angel improv artist or something. I it's love it because then you're really in tune with your gifts and mm -hmm. um, not as formulaic. Like, here's It's been a long process. time, though. Like, like 25 years with cards is a very long time when you're not even 40 <laughs> your whole life, basically. So, you know, it's been, um, I think because, because I'm young, I'm younger than a lot of people doing this work and I look younger than I am. I think sometimes people think, oh, wow, like this must just be something that happens overnight. It must be really easy. Mm -hmm. And it is really easy if you're willing for it to be, mm -hmm. it's not something that just happens overnight. Mm -hmm. This is a lifetime of cultivation of my gifts, of my connection, um, because even when I wasn't doing this work, when I was really shut down, I was still praying for protection right. when I would have to walk home from the bus late at night. I was still dialoguing with spirit at the time. I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't have called it that. I didn't even know who I was talking to because I was really in denial of my divine connection, mm -hmm. but it was still happening, particularly when I was scared. So, you know, it can be easy, but it's not like you wake up one day and suddenly everything is just available to you. Yeah. 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 Well, I would love to um, play. <laughs> so um, I also have the Keepers of the Light deck in front of me, and you have your mega deck. Mm -hmm. So I would love, like, either you pull a card, I pull a card, and then you share what needs to come through. 
do you want to pull a card and I'll share what I get from that card? Okay. Let's then it's like that. a hybrid in between the two. Yeah, let's do cool. that. Okay. Hold on. So let's set the intention while you're pulling that, that everything that comes through is going to be in the highest light and truth for whoever is going to be hearing this. So it's not just for us, but anyone who's going to hear this and whenever they're going to hear it. So if they listen to this episode and then six months later, they come back to it, but this message is still completely relevant for them and that everything is just done with so much joy, love, ease, and grace so that whatever it reveals is really just gentle on us to be able to receive and any of the information that's going to flow from it from that point forward. It's just really easy to integrate for us. So a card popped out as I was shuffling and as, as you were talking, mm -hmm. I got the Horus card. Interesting. Okay. So I was trying to get it off the ring light. Yeah. <laughs> or you got to line up the ring light with his ring. <laughs> <laughs> it says cosmic not a card that comes up often for me. So I mm. really love that you pulled it because um, I'm just going to pull up some of the symbolism here so I can have it in front of me too. Yeah, this Horus I can... It's like, he's like almost like this energetic portal. Okay, I don't know where he is in my deck. I'm not going to bother. <laughs> he's like an energetic portal that's opening up. And I actually feel like we've kind of been in this space for a little while. And with the seasonal change that's going on right now, I'm really feeling this deeply too. Um, when we have portals that open up, it's really like this space that is being created where we can leap into what's coming next. And what I've been noticing in the people that I've been talking to in this energy right now, particularly in the season of fall, um, that we have some resistance of making that leap. We're really attached to the way things are right now. We're attached to um, our patterns, our habits, our belief systems. And when Horace is showing up in this kind of space, and particularly at this time where everyone is really like clinging on, um, it's an invitation for us to loosen our grip and to make that step. It doesn't mean that we have to. We still have free will. We can still do whatever it is uh, that feels right for us. But it's, it's a loving nudge of, hey, this possibility is here and it's waiting for you and it's open if you're ready. And then we can start to feel a little bit more comfortable because this portal has opened up and this possibility of something new is in front of us. And all we have to do is let go to step into it. And so then it just becomes a question of, are you ready to let go? Are you ready for what's next? Mm, I love that. How do you feel about Horace when he comes up for you? I feel like I'm still like what you were saying, like learning about him and like the eye, because like Horace, like with the eye, right? Isn't that the main mm -hmm. thing for Horace? So I mean, with this Keepers of the Light deck, because it's not all angels. So I'm like, okay, I'm learning about the Ascended Masters as well and like the different energies. So I like what you said. <laughs> I'm just going to go with what you said. That's Cosmic fine. Yeah. Gateway. Yeah. I, um, and I feel like it totally resonates, especially with me and my life and where I'm heading. Um, mm. So I know it's resonant for me. So yeah. What I love too is remember I said at the start, like they use our frame of reference. They're going to pull, you know, the things that we are, we're going to come forward and I would not have pulled Horace. <laughs> So that nudge of, hey, Michelle, why don't you pull it? And then I'll riff off of it. Yeah. And that's kind of where that comes from. Because I, he, I literally, like I've had Keepers of the Deck since it, Keepers of the Light since it came out. So I want to say two, maybe three years. Mm -hmm. And I think I have pulled him maybe five times. Mm. And, I am, and that includes for reading for other people. Like wow. he, he does not show up for me. So it was actually really just like beautifully auspicious that you pulled him so that we could bring that message forward. I really, it feels very right for me. Good. Yeah. I actually pull him quite a lot, but I don't, honestly, I don't always pull this deck, but when I do, he actually shows up quite a lot. And I was like, 
I think I was reading the little booklet that it comes with around like looking for signs, maybe seeing the eye or whatever. And I was like, I'm not just going to randomly see this eye. Like it's, it's a very unique eye. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I kid you not, I think I saw it three times within that week. (laughs) This is the thing because we open up to it. Right. And we're setting the intention of like, okay, cool. So you want me to see this eye? Show me this eye. Like if this is a real thing, my, my logical little human brain just needs to wrap her head around it. Show me. And they will show you. They will step up and throw random eye of horses at you. It's yeah, crazy. it's like, oh my God. Like I walked down this street. How often? And now it's here. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, how did I find a skunk in England? Like, this is the thing, right? We right. say, hey, I want this. And they're like, cool, let's show up for you. I think the only other thing is to be open to how we receive the signs. Because mm-hmm. sometimes we think it has to, like I, for me, for a long time, I had to physically see or smell a skunk. And then suddenly they would show up in my Facebook feed. Somebody would post a video of cute skunks or um, I would see, I'd be looking through a magazine and there'd be like skunks on socks and, you know, things like that. So if we can be flexible about how we receive the signs and we're not trying to control how they show up for us, um, they have the ability to show up in ways that we would never have even dreamed of. It's very cool. I love that. And it's all about, I love what you said about being open and that's part of like even this card pull, right? Like mm-hmm. being open to um, what are we willing to let go and mm-hmm. um, allow to come through. So because you can't really step halfway through a portal. Like <laughs> we really, it's not a one toe in one toe out kind of deal. Like you really have to be ready mm-hmm. for the next step. And that can be really daunting, Yeah, but those opportunities don't present themselves if we're not ready. And if we can trust that, then we can, it makes the letting go a little bit easier. Mm, I love what you just said. Like the opportunities won't show up unless we're ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the universe isn't like sabotaging us. It's not like, it's not like a game of Super Mario where they're going to hope we fall in the hole, right? Like the hole wouldn't be there if we weren't ready to jump over it. So eat the mushroom. Just kidding. Exactly. (laughs) Enjoy the journey. Well, awesome, Serena. It was such a pleasure to have you on. This was so much fun. I'm really glad you asked me. Thank you. Yeah. Well, how can people learn more about your work? Where can they find you? You bet. So um, they can find me on my website, which is serena.ca. And um, I'm also on Facebook on Instagram at Serena Myers, which is probably the easiest way. And I have a podcast as well called The Light Walker's Path. And episodes drop every Wednesday where we're jamming about just the reality of what it means to live a spiritual life. Oh, I love that. So cool. I love that you have your domain name, serena.ca. Yeah, I couldn't get .com because it was a Japanese steakhouse, which is super awkward when you're a vegetarian. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Thanks, Serena, for being on the show. And uh, stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks so much. Join our free private Facebook group community, Sacred Emergence, to receive more connection, guidance, and support take part in our five-day inner confidence challenge to not only boost your confidence but to help activate your inner leadership details in the show notes thank you for listening to the sacred emergence podcast make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and thank you in advance for sharing this with others who can benefit until next time